Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. This is Jonathan Edwards, pureandsimplebible.com, and I am really thankful to have an opportunity to talk to you one-on-one today. No guest, and so it's just us talking, and it's the new year if uh, you're listening to this in a somewhat chronological order. Um, I'm recording and sending this out at the beginning of 2023, and if you're listening to it later in this year or the next or far into the future, then maybe it's a glimpse into where we were during that New Year's time. Today, I want to talk to you one-on-one called, uh, with a study, rather, called Seven Practical Things That New Christians Should Start Doing Right Now. And a uh, very long title, I know. But this is actually a, a booklet that Pure and Simple Bible has, and I'll do my best to have it linked um, on the website where this podcast is. So if you're interested, you could go there and find and download this workbook. But it's a little uh, half, right, sized, half-sized. I'm not sure how to describe it, right? So if a piece of paper is 8.5 by 11, then that 8.5 is divided in half hot dog style. So whenever you print these, you get two booklets at a time. And when I wrote this years and years ago, um, it really was intended to be helpful for people who have just been baptized, and now they're kind of like, what's next? But here we are in a new year when we're making resolutions, and and I was just looking at this info um, yesterday, and I thought, hey, that's actually pretty good for New Year's resolutions. And so there are seven things that new Christians should start doing as soon as they're baptized, but there's also seven things uh, as we maybe think about New Year, new goals, um, that we could start this year. So if if ever any of us, whether you've been baptized for a year or whether you've been baptized for 100 years, any of us can meditate on these things and start doing them anew. So think about that. Um, it's important for me to tell you that baptism isn't the end of someone's spiritual experience. In fact, it may be the end of a life that was lost in sin, and once you've uh, believed in Jesus, you've repented of that sin and confessed his name as the Son of God, uh, and you're baptized, you're, you're, you're dying to self, but now you're living for Christ. And I really want this workbook, or booklet rather, to be like a conversation starter. And I know that every congregation has their own preferred steps for how to mature new members, how to study with older Christians, reading plans, etc. So I really just hope this is a helpful resource to add to that. And I challenge you, listener, whether you're at the beginning of your Christian walk or you've been in it for a long time, or even if you uh, are considering becoming a Christian. What, what what are some things that we should start whenever we're ready to begin anew? I love 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is past. Behold, the new has come. So, uh, if you've counted the cost and you're ready to commit a life towards Jesus, uh, what are some things that you could start doing to grow spiritually and mature right now. Let's jump in. We have seven things that we can do. The first one is 
pray without ceasing. That's right. I simply want to challenge you to talk to God and that through the revelation of God's word, uh, we can know what God expects. And one of the things that he expects is prayer. Uh, Let's see. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Part of God's will for all of us who are believers, and if you're starting your journey, then I want you to know this, is that we need to pray. And this Bible verse says, pray without ceasing. So the question is how? How, how do we pray without ceasing? Um, it's important to remember that, you, that it's, it's unlikely that you can pray 24 hours a day, right? Because you'll be asleep for some of it. And so even uh, if the moment you wake up to the moment you fall asleep, we recognize that, that we couldn't be in prayer the whole time. Praying without ceasing, I think, simply means to be uh, continually praying, right, in, in a way where prayer is a regular part of your daily activity. And so that could mean you pray in the morning, um, you pray while you're driving, you pray whenever you eat food, you pray with your friends. Don't let your prayer life be restricted, but rather let it be a pivotal part of your life. So there's an acronym Maybe you're familiar with it. Uh, there's an acronym to mature your prayer life, and it's called ACTS, A-C-T-S, A-C-T-S. And so don't forget your prayer ACTS. Um, the A stands for adoration, the C for confession, the T for thanksgiving, and the S for supplication. And so when we adore in prayer, we are praising God for who he is, right? We're adoring God. Confession is uh, praying to God about what you've done and wanting to change, wanting to get rid of things in your life that you know um, that need to change. The T, Thanksgiving, we're praying to God. We're thanking not only for who he is, but for what he's done. So that's the difference between adoration and thanksgiving. Thanking God for who he is, adoration, thanking God for what he's done, thanksgiving, and then supplication, which is the most common form of prayer is petitioning God for what you or others need, what you request, supplication. So A-C-T-S, don't forget to pray, Acts. Now, that's our first one. So what are some things that new Christians can start doing right now? What are some things that you, whether you're new or old in the faith, could start doing in the new year? You can pray without ceasing. Number two, read diligently. I really want to encourage you to open your Bible often, and you may feel overwhelmed when thinking about how big the Bible is, but I just want you to consider this. If you read at a pace of 15 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, you know, if you can devote 15 minutes, you can read the whole New Testament comfortably in about three months. Now, uh, I know the Bible is a big book, but just being diligent, being consistent can make the Bible readable. Now, I guess I'll just use me as the example, right? We're having a conversation, you and I, but I'm the only speaker. I remember years ago, um, I think I was a freshman in college when I decided it's time for me to read the Bible all the way through. And it seemed so daunting, but I remember feeling so empowered after like a week of reading. 
um, where I just tried to put in, I think, two or three chapters a day in the New Testament. I started with the New Testament. And I remember going through, and, and after a week, I was already you know, towards the end of Matthew, which is a long gospel. It's 28 chapters. It seemed doable. And then I remember finishing the New Testament and thinking, I've read this. Uh, I need to read the whole Bible all the way through. And so it's been a, a, a goal of mine most years since then to read the Bible all the way through, to read the New Testament multiple times annually. And whether you, you have those types of goals or whether you like to go really slow and just meditate on maybe a, a section or a chapter, the point is I, I want to challenge you. Don't have it be just a checklist of things to do. It really is about uh, connecting with God through the Word. It's through the Word that God speaks. It's through the Word that our character is transformed. It's through the Word that our soul is nourished. I love Psalm chapter 119, beautiful psalm about uh, the Word of God. But it's Psalm chapter 19 that says this phrase, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And I challenge you this year to read diligently. Okay, believer, the third thing that new Christians could start doing right now, that believers in the new year could start doing right now, is I want you to challenge yourself to be present when the church assembles. I want you to make a habit of being there when your home congregation gathers for worship. Now, we're commanded to be there and not forsake the assembly. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 makes it pretty clear that this forsaking, uh, for that group in context, there were people that didn't want to come to church because they were worried about being persecuted or, or worse. And yet the writer tells them, don't forsake the assembly. But there's a mindset in addition to the command, and that mindset that I want to challenge you with is to say what a blessing it is to worship instead of do I have to worship. There's such a difference. Now, Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but encouraging one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So, friend, I just want to remind you that being present when the church assembles, is just, it's so much more than simply being there. We're, because we're also commanded to stir each other up to love and good works, right? To motivate and encourage. And you can't do that if you aren't there. And you can't do that if you just show up and, like, checking it off and then leaving, you know? Your presence and your interaction can always be positive in the lives of Christians. So if you want to know something you can start doing in the new year, make a priority. If the church gathers more than Sunday morning, right? If there's a, a, a evening service on Sunday, a lot of congregations have a midweek Bible study service. Um, there may not be communion in those services, and you may not feel that compulsion like you do on Sunday morning. But I want to challenge you to be there whenever the church assembles. Okay, number four, what could you do this year? What could you do as a new Christian? You could engage with fellow believers. You need to interact with your brothers and sisters in Christ. We are supposed to be a spiritual family and a support group 
for each other. I'm going to read a scripture. It's Galatians 6, verse 1 through 4. I'm reading it out of the ERV, the easy-to-read version. And so this is um, a little bit more of a dynamic equivalent, which means it's translated kind of thought for thought. But listen to the simplicity of the scripture. It says, Brothers and sisters, someone in your group might do something wrong. You who follow, who are following the Spirit should go to the one who is sinning. Help make that person right again and do it in a gentle way. Help each other with your troubles. And when you do this, you're obeying the law of Christ. Spiritual family, kinship, it has to be more than worship service only. So I want to challenge you as far as this engagement goes. Have people over. Maybe it's dinner. Maybe it's social events or just spending time together, it is easier. It is so much easier to spiritually lean on others when we have trust and a good relationship. I'm not saying that people outside the church you can't be friendly with, you can't be friends with, you can't have common interests with, but I am saying that our best friends, our dearest ones, ought to be Christians because we are going through spiritual life together. All right, number five. Uh, let's see, how much time have I been jibber-jabbering with you? Not too long, but I might go ahead and review one through four if you're listening and you're driving in your car um, and you're not able to maybe jot these down if you wanted to. So I want you to put them to memory. Number one, you're going to pray without ceasing. Number two, you're going to read diligently. Number three, you're going to be present when the church assembles. Number four, you're going to engage with Christians. And number five, if you are a new believer and you're thinking about ways that you can now grow with Christ, again, if uh, it's a New Year's resolution or a new time resolution for any believer, number five, you need to flee sin. Just because we've been forgiven doesn't mean we're immune to temptation. And Christians have made a life commitment. And friend, you've made a life commitment to Jesus. And part of that is avoiding sinful behavior. Romans chapter 6, verse 2 and 3. So how can we continue living in sin? Did you forget that all of us who became part of Christ Jesus when we were baptized, and in our baptism we shared in his death? What death, friend? A spiritual death where we die to sin and we're rising with Christ. So believers have to flee sin, and that could mean drastic things like leaving jobs if this job is... Uh, challenging the teachings of Christ. It might mean you're giving up associating with friends closely or associating closely with family members who are pressuring us to do sinful things. The Bible urges you and me to seek Jesus and his ways and not live sinfully after we've been saved. The, the question really is, why exchange eternal salvation for a temporary pleasure we know that it's temporary. If we've obeyed the gospel, we've recognized that this old world always gives more than it takes and that nothing sinful is pleasurable forever. In fact, most of the time, the sinful pleasures end up making us feel awful whenever we come to our senses, and it's just not worth it. 2 Timothy 2.22 but be like the Lord Jesus Christ so that when people see what you do, they will see Christ. Don't think of how to satisfy the desires of your sinful 
self. I think that's Romans 13, verse 14. I'm looking at my notes, and my scriptures are a little crisscross. So challenge is for you to go look that up for yourself. Number six, what can we do? Actually, I'm going to say a little bit more. I'm going to say a little bit more about number five, about fleeing sin. Bear with me. I think sometimes new Christians, and any of us really, um, I think we can feel confused and even betrayed when we're tempted and when we give in to sin. Perhaps, you know, perhaps you've thought that, uh, and I can remember being a new believer myself, um, I've, you know, you have these struggles that they were supposed to go away whenever you obeyed the gospel. But the Bible doesn't teach us that that temptation is going to go away. What it does teach in Romans, if you want to read Romans chapter 7, is that there is going to be this ongoing battle between the flesh and the spirit, and we call this the old and the new self. In Romans 7, it talks about the things that we want to do, we, we find ourselves not doing. That's when the flesh is winning. And the things we want to do, we don't do. Again, that's when the flesh is winning. And the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, is when we deny those things and we, we ultimately live the way God wants us to. So I just want to remind you that God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he's not going to let us be tempted beyond what we can handle. And part of that is to give us a, a way of escape. Now, additionally, part of God's covenant is that he allows us to choose Will we stay faithful or will we return to sin? But you and I know where sin leads. And so I'm just challenging you, as we move forward in life, do it with a life that's spiritually committed to Christ. Now, let's talk about number six, right? What can you do this year? What can you do as a new believer? What can you do as a, uh, an old believer? You can tell someone about Jesus. That's what you can do by talking to others about Jesus. There's a, an energy, an excitement. I wish I could quantify it. I know it's a subjective thing, and so it's kind of hard to objectively talk about those subjective experiences. But just talking about what Jesus has done for you um, it is so rewarding. And so I want to challenge you to share Jesus' news. You've been saved. You know God's mercy. Others need to know it too. And our faith really is centered with talking to others about Jesus' good news and what he's done for us in our lives. And so whether that mean we're talking to family or friends or coworkers or neighbors or whoever, I want you to remember Romans 10, 14 through 17 says that there's this wonderful, wonderful blessing that comes with those who bring good news and that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, and, and the Word of God is made known by pre- people who share the good news. I love in Mark chapter 5, 29, Jesus is talking to um, a former demoniac. This guy wants to go with him. He wants to follow Jesus, and Jesus gives him this very simple way to share what's happened to him, and I love how applicable it is for us. Jesus says, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Um, I've never been a salesman. I've never been good at it, I should say. I've never been good at being a salesman when it comes to the gospel. 
some preachers are. They're really good at meeting strangers and 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 just uh, bringing up Bible studies, bringing up scriptures that motivate these people to come to services. Uh, I'm so glad that they're good at that. Thank God for people's talents that they're drawn to. Where I find myself as a preacher more talented is talking about what the Lord has done for me in my life, what the Lord can do for them in their life, and and would they like to talk more about it? Would they like to study it? And so instead of it being like a one-and-done conversation, I love it turning into something more um, where we're having people over for dinner, we're having Bible studies in our house. And it all centers around that verse where Jesus says, tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Okay, here's our last one. It's number seven, right? Things we could do right now. So if you're a new believer or if uh, you're in a new year and you're, you're looking for motivation, here are seven things we can do. Number seven, maintain perspective. So important to remember the big picture that Jesus saved us and now we live for him. So here's the mindset that we're going to have. It's from Philippians 4, uh, verse 11 through 13. Paul says, I've learned to be satisfied with what I have and with whatever happens. I've learned the secret of how to live through any kind of situation. When I have enough to eat or when I am hungry or when I have everything I need or when I have nothing, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Friend, it is so important that in this faith we remember that it's a marathon, it's not a sprint, and you are running daily. And and you're going to get spiritually tired and fatigued. But the perspective, right, to maintain perspective means we know there's going to be valleys of despair and there's going to be hilltops of joy, but we're not going to be in those forever. There's times when we're riding high and you think this is great, but it's important to remember that it won't always be great on this side of eternity. And there's going to be times when you're really low and you are in despair. And that perspective reminds you, I know I'm not always going to be this way. I know it's not always going to be this bad. The devil will not wait long before he comes, friend. And whether you are new in Christ or whether you're looking at the new year and wondering um, you know, how to, how to be nearer to the Lord, it's also important to remember that The devil's not just going to sit by and allow us to have this easy spiritual journey. But you know something? We know that Jesus is greater than he who is in the world. We know that. And we know that God is working for our good. It doesn't mean that that good things are always happening, but God is working for our good. I love Romans 8. Great chapter. Romans 8, 28 says, Can anything separate us from from Christ's love? Can trouble or problems or persecution or separate us from his love if we have no food or clothes or face danger even death what will separate us from his love i think i said verse 28 but we're reading verse 36 through 38 yes i am sure that nothing can separate us from god's love not death life angel or ruling spirits i'm sure that nothing now nothing in the future no power nothing above us nothing below us nothing in the whole created world will ever be able to separate us from the love god has shown us in christ jesus our lord that's for the valleys that's for the journey to remember that jesus is on our side 
that God is for us. And if he is, who can be against us? But just because we're on God's team doesn't mean the race is easy. I'm, I'm hoping to emphasize that, that we're still in the seventh point of maintaining perspective. We're going to suffer loss. We will face stress. We will be challenged. God forbid, but we may be persecuted. Believers around the world, I don't know who all listens to this podcast. My audience, I believe, primarily is a Western audience, specifically living in the United States. But around the world, believers are persecuted. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, And that's why we never give up. Our physical body is becoming older and weaker, but our spirit inside us is made new every day. We have small troubles for a while now, but these troubles are helping us gain an eternal glory. That eternal glory is much greater than our troubles. The reality is that while we are in this side of eternity, the challenges may be very real. And so you live daily life with a transformed and a regenerated heart, doing mundane, normal things. I'm going to tell you, when you're baptized and you're riding that high, you think the whole world is just going to, to explode in glory to God. But then you know what happens? You still got to go to school. You still got to go to work. You still got to be in relationships with people that sometimes are challenging. And what I'm here to tell you is keep going to school, keep going to work, keep being effective in your daily tasks and in your relationships, and remember that you are salt and light to a lost and dying world, salt that reveals this beautiful flavor of the gospel, light that reveals the dramatic truth of Jesus Christ. The change in your life, it can be dramatic when you're baptized, but now be prepared for that continued change, this metamorphosis where we're slowly over our whole life becoming the person that God has molded us and continued and, and, and we're continuing to be renewed. I want to read a few scriptures to you as I end this little conversation. I love 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Galatians 2, verse 20. So I am not the one living now. It's Christ living in me. I still live in my body, but I live by faith in the Son of God. He is the one who loved me and gave himself to save me. I love these scriptures. I love these thoughts. I'm going to read them to you one more time. What are some things that you could be doing right now? In this list, you may have noticed there's nothing that was uh, dramatic as far as, wow, I never thought about that. And I think sometimes we forget that, I know I do, where we're looking for some magic formula of how to suddenly be more spiritually minded. We're looking for this secret knowledge, secret way to figure out God's way. But it's just through the steady, consistent willingness to engage with God, engage with God's people in a manner of ways, and engage even with the world in healthy, spiritual ways that we draw nearer to Him. Friend, you can... One, pray without ceasing. Two, read diligently. Three, be present when the church assembles. Four, engage with Christians. Five, flee sin. Six, tell someone about Jesus. And seven, maintain perspective. And by doing these things, 
you're going to be better for it in the year ahead. You're going to be better for it in your spiritual walk. So I challenge you to start doing these things right now. That is our discussion today. I hope to have guests uh, in future episodes. I'm grateful for this conversation. And uh, I will do my best to have this little booklet linked so you can have the PDF. You can. These are designed to be where you just print them double-sided. You cut them in half, hot dog style, staple it down the middle, and you've got booklets to share with other people. So check it out at www.pureandsimplebible.com. And until next time, always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you.